Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of DC art, jazz, coordinating events, and Drambuie. Today's guest is the amazing Vance Henderson of William Grant and Sons, traveling this nation of ours, spreading the fine love via Drams of Drambuie. We sat down and chatted here just a few months ago. Actually, this was right after the Timeout Austin Bar Awards for 2017, and it was great getting to know Vance get to understand the artist that he is and how so many different aspects of culture, art, and creativity just drive him to make great cocktails and make great experiences. And Vance will be back in Austin on August 28th for the Drambuie Modern Classics Competition. It'll be a good party. And perhaps if you can get your hands on those details, you can come join and have some great sips. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Vance Henderson. can't get enough now it's it's interesting i had heard about austin's cocktail scene restaurant scene for eons for years and hadn't had the opportunity to make it out and uh just my first trip out we did a competition and it just like exceeded all expectations so i'm like i've got to get back i've got to get back it's a good spot there's kind of everything but if you want to eat well you can Mm -hmm. drink well you can absolutely but there's really this nice thread of health here too. Do you pick up on that as kind of a guy coming in that people are they're outside all the goddamn time running and drinking juices? Yeah, I, it you know it it reminds me uh, that feeling reminds me of like when I'm running around and walking around DC like yeah. when you walk like everyone's running everyone's getting some juice uh, everyone's like, sitting on the laptop you know just looking trying to make their plans for the gym so yeah. cycling and getting in there is that the modern health version of hustling? Is it the same thing you think? I think uh, it's along similar lines, brother. Yeah. I think it is. Making things happen with a kale juice in hand. You've got to. <clears throat> I like it. It's an interesting paradigm shift, you know. Yeah. I've been uh, actually juicing at home. I've, I've kind of rested my hat for the past uh, two months on uh, carrot juice, uh, ginger, green apple, a little bit of cinnamon and cayenne. And oh, like it, it gets me to where I need to be in the morning. Man. Booster too, man, with the cayenne. Speaking of juice. I love green juices. I love sweet juices. Is there an area of the juicing realm that you're like, I can't, I just can't do it? Whether it's beet juice for some people, celery, there's some ingredients. I'm, an, I'm adventurous, uh, personally. Um, I am not the biggest celery fan, um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm able to kind of train myself to, in, in my mind that if I believe that it's healthy for me, yeah. if I believe that I'm getting something out of it, then I can make it work. For, for years, I couldn't stand club soda. Really? And it's like the, the lightest, blandest thing, but it was something about it. Did it, did it make you irritable? Some people, it actually drives into that. No, no, it didn't. I, um, I used to be a heavy a soda fan. Like yeah. Coca-Cola, Cherry Coke was my thing. 
and a couple of years ago and I decided to like leave as much high fructose corn syrup as I could yeah. alone. I was like, all right, I need a little fizz in my life. So just train myself. I'm like, club soda does it for me. Did you get the Topo Chico face? I'm in love with that <laughs> Topo. How does, how does it, <laughs> I, you know, I know maybe in terms of minerality and stuff, how they're different, mm-hmm. but they're both still that kind of blunt, bubbly, flavorless liquid. What's, yeah. what's the difference there? How does Topo work? I mean, it depends. But what I get from Topo is like power. Like yeah. as soon as I, you know, pop up in that bottle, it's like fireworks, yeah. you know, and it gives me everything that I need uh, to have, you know, Man. Uh, and the flavor is good. You know, you don't it get good. anything like the chemicals or like it's been treated, like any of that going on. It's like it's clean, it's crisp, and you know it's there. Yeah. You know it's there. It's got its personality. It does. And people think it's this big cult down here, but the reality is it's just good. Yeah. Like pork roll. Mm. And oh, don't take me back. <laughs> so this is a good point to transition. Yeah, I'm thinking man. about Porkle because it's not something, you know, Bill Norris is here. He's from New Jersey. Jay mm-hmm. Cosmos is from Jersey. Those guys talk about pork roll all the time. I can't really find it. So just because you now are kind of the patron saint of New Jersey in the room, mm-hmm. tell me what the hell is pork roll? <laughs> Try to describe this for me. Man, if I, that's, wow. Um I guess the the simplest way to think about it is a very large um, sausage in a sense okay. that's sliced thin. So if uh, you were to slice it, it looks it would look like a slice of bologna if you were to look at it. Yeah, yeah. But it has the texture of like a, a sausage chorizo or something like that. Wow. Salty, savory, you know, caramelized sweetness. Uh, it's just amazing. I like to. Again, I'm trying to be healthy these days, so no, this is uh, it's been a long time. That's the, one of the guilty pleasures. How about that? Yeah. Hashtag guilty pleasures. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I would throw that thing in a, a cast iron skillet, man, with a little bit of butter, and I just let it crisp, crisp oh, to man. golden brown. Even a little bit burnt on the edges, yeah. man. It's like, ooh. No, that's good. What, so what's the best way to eat it? So you're talking about how you prepare it. Is the sandwich the best way? And a tortilla, is that the best way? Although that is crossing cultures a bit. But. Yeah, well, I always enjoyed it. Uh, breakfast with uh, scrambled eggs. Oh, yeah. Some good cheese eggs. Uh, that works well. And or a sandwich works perfect as well. So um, I steer clear of white bread these days. But yeah. back, back in the day, it was like white bread, some Swiss cheese, and pork roll. A little bit of mayonnaise and it's like leave me alone for the day. Just let me let me lay in my hammock. <laughs> <laughs> now everybody's drawn in. We're talking about Topo Chico. They're like, oh, I get Topo Chico. Mm-hmm. And then we said, bring in the flavor bomb now. Come on. Man. And we're going to talk about the Jambuy cocktail in just a few minutes, too. So this is good. Already I'm getting, th- this is good. My mind's moving. Yeah, man. A little early. My stomach's kind of getting. Oh, for out. real. Good, right? Yeah, yeah. So you're a New Jersey guy. That's where you grew up. Born and bred. Atlantic City, New Jersey. A little town right outside of there called Pleasantville. Pleasantville. Has nothing to do with the movie. (laughs) Nothing to do with the movie. Would you say it's a stark contrast to the movie? Uh, In every imaginable sense. (laughs) (laughs) What what kinds of things do you do as a kid in Pleasantville? Mm, I was... uh, I was the extracurricular kid, so I did like everything that there was to do. Uh, student government, uh, I ran track, mm. um, a lot of community events and organizing. That was my thing. Like if there was something going down, I was there. You wanted to be in the middle of it. Kind of like a junior mayor, you know. <clears throat> Probably could have stood in. A man yeah. of the people. Where do you learn that? What'd your folks do? Are they in that same industry? No, no, no. Actually, my folks. Um, my mother uh, worked in the medical field. Yeah. 
and my father uh, was in casinos. You know, casinos were, were oh, yeah. very big in uh, Atlantic City. Not so much anymore. But sadly. Yeah, sadly. Mm. Well, and I watch Boardwalk Empire now and again. And I just, Ooh, and it took me back, man. Up, right? Ooh, it took me back. It was a pretty interesting seeing those things, very familiar landscape mm-hmm. and everything. Yes. Well, when you think about the medical profession, it just, I imagine it's on the patient side or is it on the sales side for your mom? She was on the uh, patient side. Yeah. yeah so yeah. already these threads of hospitality are kind of percolating. Without question. You've yeah. got to be able to take care of people. Man. Like even in the casino and game industry, you know, exactly. it's, a, it's layered in hospitality. Yeah. It's uh, the, it is definitely the underbelly of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. you got to take people and you got to save them from themselves and sometimes. You, you do. You do. <laughs> Got to go Got now. To go. So the college route for you sounds like you were doing pretty good academically, studying a lot of different things. Really open to the community, which is a great thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, I um I was always uh, had the, the mindset of I wanted to explore and see as much as I could. I wanted to go as far as I I could. Uh, not to get away, but just to see something new and something different. Yeah, the uh, learning aspect of it, maybe. Every, yeah. Everything, culture, food, people. Mm. Um, and I really can't say how I landed on and in Washington, D.C. or at Howard University, but that was where, where, it, uh, where I rested my hat for you know, my matriculation. Yeah. And um, you know, I think D.C. was a great launching pad for being able to experience all those different realms. I mean, it's... It's transient. It's people from all over the place. It's a, it's a melting pot of, of culture, yeah. and uh, it, it's just amazing. You get everything. You get politics. You get music. You get food. I mean, it's the, the cocktail scene is crazy. It's just come so far in the very short 16 years that I've been there. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've got a grandfather who's been there maybe uh, 45 years. Wow. And it, I can't imagine the change that he's seen in that time because what I've seen in my 16 years is mind-blowing. It literally boggles my mind. Yeah. Um, what do you think so is yeah. the main change? Is it progress? Is it hospitality? What kinds of things are really... I think it's a combination of both of those, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's, it's the capital, you know, uh, of the U.S., but it's also the capital of the world. So, right. I mean, in, in essence, it, it has to kind of move with the times. Of course, you know, we're in such a polarizing uh, political arena now, but it really doesn't stop the city. Yeah. And it has you know, these amazing, you know, roots in, in how it came together and then, you know, being steeped in, in so much culture. And then, you know, being uh, going through those tragedies of the 60s and, you know, the 70s and the right. rise and the downfall and, you know, all of that and drugs, you know, taking over. But then, like, this resurgence uh you know, in the, the 90s, and then we see the 2000s and the 2010s. Is that what you would call them, the 2010s? Uh, I don't need, yeah, no, the what, what do you, what would you call them? Right, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just a beautiful thing to see. It's a beautiful thing to see. A, a lot of gentrification. Yeah, I was going to ask. Um, that, that's something that, it, as someone not from D.C., yeah. that I always knew. And that's actually what created some great art there, frankly. Yes, that, oh, just that man. polarized kind of culture. Mm-hmm. Flashing, you know? mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just amazing. Langston Hughes, uh, U Street. It's, it's just steeped in rich, you know, culture and history and art and, and music and, yeah. and food and, and soul. You know, and I, I think I try to pull, um, you know, with my working with Drambui, a lot of those uh, essences, if you will, mm-hmm. um, into pour them into the brand and then pull them out of the brand. You know, from its storied past as well. Yeah, it is. You know, 
we were talking about Charlotte and chatted with her yesterday. And yeah. She said she likes to use old Dickens novels to get inspiration, mm. which is an interesting piece. But to your point, it's the same thing of going back in history, yeah. both from where you've been around and surrounded by in D.C., but also in the story of Jambu itself. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it's, it's, it's just endless information that is out there, you know, endless history, endless, you know, whatever you could call it. And we can always pull from it and, and, and cut and shape and mold it into something new and or something that supports something else. Yeah. That's what music um, is, I guess. Oh, man. Think about it. That's why, like, I love music. I jazz love guy. live music. I do yeah. love jazz. I'm all over the place, okay. really. But I'm a big jazz fan. Neil Soul mm. uh, as well. And for me, it's just the feeling. It's just the feeling that it makes you feel, you know, whether it's, you know, rhythm and blues or, or rock or country or gospel. It's mm. like all of them give you something else for something else. Um, and it's just outrageous, you know, to think that these... Uh, Different systems and different components have these powers, yeah. um, you know, to impact you in such a way. It's an incredible thing. You like to imbibe upon all the cultures. It feels like it feels like you're always out there, just feeling it, kind of absorbing it. Is yeah, that fair? I, just, no, absolutely. I would agree. I think you, you have to be. Yeah. Um, uh, I have been in the hospitality industry as long as I could remember. I mean, from knee high, you know. Uh, being in the kitchen, working at you know church, or um, you know helping out in school, learning community, or something like that, or you know f- uh, older you know friends or mentors who had catering companies or ran restaurants, like always there, um, and it kind of just followed me. So I always have had an, an eye and an ear for learning, um, you know, about people and, and conversations and how people interact and yeah. um, you know what. Um, energizes and encourages, you know, through food and through, and as I've gotten older, through cocktails. So I started in, in food. Yeah. Um, and in, in another life, I had a, a catering company and an underground supper club. Um, so again, all of those layers of hospitality made for a very uh, smooth, if we, if we will, transition into the cocktail scene and or imbibing. Um, because they go hand in hand, you know? You're absolutely right. Do you, being in D.C., and this isn't a political thing, but you are open and not afraid of new. Right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Being unafraid of new and the unknown. Those are things that I really embrace and hopefully my personality, my life, and you yep. as well because that's where you really get all the good stuff coming in. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you're, when you're out there on the road and you're talking to people in all different areas of the states, right? do you get the sense that people are afraid of different? Because that's kind of the monologue that's being sold, right? Mm. I think um, what what I've been able to pick up is that there are, I'm pretty sure many things, but I've, I'm, I've uh, paused at two major things that I think the world would benefit from. Yeah. And one is education, without question. You know, higher learning just goes such a long way. Mm. Um, but with that is travel. Um, Seeing someone and something new, uh, a new way of of doing something, a, a different way, not just new, a different way of uh, of doing breakfast, a, a different way of um, you know pl- playing sports, a, a, a different way of going out and, and having and dinner, or, or a different way of drinking or toasting, 
um, like it just teaches tolerance. And if you go further uh, and allow yourself to go further, it teaches understanding. Mm. Um, Empathy. It, it does. And I think when we are closed off from other cities and other states uh, and other countries, other cultures, it, we don't expand. You know, so you stay in your little pocket. You know, you stay on Bayview Avenue in yeah. Pleasantville, New Jersey. You know, you stay, you know, on Grant Circle in Washington, D.C. That's all that you see. Now, if it's a transient, you know, city or melting pot, you, that helps you. But if it's, you know, some, you know, little city, you know, a little town, and that's all you see, that's all you really know. And it's... It's uh, a travesty, I think. I was going to say it's sad, and I'm not. I'm not knocking it because no, sometimes that's not. you know that's so you our know. circumstances. How do you know it's yeah. But it, it's you know, I I honestly believe I have the absolute best job in the world, being an ambassador uh, for Drampoli, being able to travel and meet people, and to you know just learn and expand myself, and then pour into other people about this brand and then just life. Mm. Um, but I think the, the more I travel, the more that I see, and the more that I'm expanded, the more that I grow the sadder I become for those who don't have the opportunity to do that. Like, man, how sad would it be to live life and, you know, never see another state, yeah. to never see another country, to, you know, never you know, stand on a mountain and look down, to, to never be in the middle of the ocean and look around and see water as far as the eye could see, to yeah. stand, you know, on, on, the, in, on dunes and, and it's just sand you know, as far as I could see, like those things that blow your mind, but also make you feel small in a world. Yeah. Like that is that that pricks me. That pricks me on the inside. It's it's the crux of humility, I think, mm. is to feel insignificant, but yet still strive for mm -hmm. significance. Yes, right? it's an interesting thing. But really, a lovely lovely way to phrase it as well. So for me, then the question becomes: You've got all these. These, these talents, these innate feelings about the world and the community. But it turns out that, and I didn't realize this, but you were studying broadcast journalism and TV at yeah. Howard. Yeah, I did radio, TV, and film uh, communications. Were you going to try to do the network broadcasting stuff, or what flavor of it? Really? See, this is the growing piece about um, uh, when you're making decisions in college. So I always tell anyone, follow your heart. Follow what your passion is. If you don't know the time, then just seek and do and sh sharpen yourself and rub yourself up against something um, that encourages, encourages you, right. you know, or challenges you. That way you can figure out what it is that you want. I've always loved uh, the camera. I've always loved stage. I've always loved, you know, being the center of attention. Yeah. I'll admit it. Um, no problem there. Yeah, you know, I enjoy acting. I enjoy making people feel good. I enjoy putting a smile on someone's face. So, I wanted to be an actor, and I was on a full scholarship uh, to anywhere I wanted to go. Again, I landed at Howard, and I felt, uh, being you know young at the time, and then always taking into consideration what other people were thinking about you, what yeah. what what pleasing other people, what makes someone else happy, that going into fine arts or theater wasn't good enough. It wasn't. I felt that it wasn't professional enough. Like it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be professional enough for the people uh, that put into scholarship or whatever to get me here. Were you thinking about the financial feasibility of it, which that plays when you talk about the salary? I, I wasn't. I okay, wasn't. Good. Okay. No. So, so no. It was no. Something else. No. Was I was like, it's just you know. Oh, he had a full scholarship and he went for fine arts. Yeah. That's what my, my thinking was at the time. Small thinking. 
Um, so I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go and still deal with the TV and be in radio, TV, and film. I'll go and do stuff on the radio, and I can, you know, write uh, treatments and scripts and, you know, write for television, which I enjoy. Yeah. Um, May I ask just real quick, who are a few of the people that, in terms of actors, that were influential for you? Ooh. Did you love their styles and their films? Um, I really like uh, Denzel Washington. Oh, yeah. Um, for, for different aspects. He has a, uh, a, a connector lining between his characters that is very similar, mm. uh, almost uh, as if you were to look at, at Johnny Depp being a character actor. It's like they're all different, but somehow they're all the same. Um, but he just plays roles in such a dynamic way. Russell Crowe yeah. is absolutely uh, So American Gangster must have been a oh, great movie. Oh, man, I'm like both of them together. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah, man, it's just great. Th- those two guys are, uh, they just they do it for me. Yeah. They, they really just do it for me. And as a writer, what kinds of things did you like, would you see yourself writing? A comedic writer, drama, crime? Thriller? All over the place. Yeah. Yeah, just like I am with cocktails. <laughs> you know, what, 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 whatever I'm feeling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and or whatever the situation uh, calls for, right. I will adapt for that. So the transition into radio and TV, at what point did you say, maybe hospitality still where my heart is at? Um, I, throughout college, had always worked in restaurants. Yeah. Um, from the, as it started from the bottom, now I'm here, all the way uh, from you know, bus, doing dishes, busing, barbacking. I was a host, maitre d'. Um, you know, asked just to learn a few things behind the bar. And the next week, my manager put me on there, you know, for full training. Um, you know, so it was that kind of matriculation um, throughout all my entire college experience. And then um, after, I still still did it. You know, I was trying to look for, you know, the, the broadcasting job or you know, I'd worked at a, um, a, a radio station, a news station. Oh, okay. And uh, it just... It just, it was interesting. It was interesting to write and to produce and uh, to direct mm. and to manage. Uh, but it didn't really tickle my fancy for my creative in a sense of being able to, to shine. Yeah, yeah. Um, to be able to make someone feel something by the way that I look, look at them right. or, the, or the way that I speak or smiling at them. Um, Hospitality was removed. It, it, it was missing. Yeah, it was missing. Um, you know, so again, I, I had always had that you know back burner. You know, gigs at restaurants where I was or at bars, and it just kind of stuck with me until transition. When did your talents as an actor, your <laughs> talents as a composer of flavor and of thoughts, right, as a mm-hmm. writer? It feels like a brand ambassador gig is maybe the perfect stage for all of these talents to culminate. It, uh, I was just talking to Charlotte last night. We went for a, a nightcap and just a recap and talk. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I was saying to her, like, it was, I, I just feel like I've, I've landed in the perfect place and i feel that it's the perfect job because it just it fits so well and you know i can look over the last 15 16 years of 
being in bars and, and running bar programs, being a bartender, right. uh, being a chef, having the catering company, producing, you know, events and weddings and funerals or, you know, bar mitzvahs or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, managing uh, service schedules or bar schedules or, you know, buying product for the week and coming up with pars, uh, you know, doing beverage programs, doing bar competitions and events and organizing events locally for, you know, the community of bartenders. All of that, all of the, that, that litany of, of 50 different jobs, yeah. I now do in one. It's crazy. Isn't and it? It, and I, I get to do all of that while traveling, while feeding you know, my need for more and, and culture and meeting people and shaking hands and putting smiles on faces and being able to create something with my hands and with my thoughts that someone else can consume and enjoy. And if by chance they enjoy it, if by chance they get some satisfaction from what I'm able to produce uh, for them via a cocktail or story or food, then the gratification that I get from that. Yeah, massive. Man, resounding. Oh man, I've la- I'm in a perfect place. I'm in a perfect place. You remember the Karate Kid from the '80s? Sure do. Of course. Daniel San doesn't understand that these tedious, what he considers to be tedious tasks, like painting a <laughs> fence or waxing the hood of a car, wax, that they become something that is so paramount to his success when all of those things come together. Mm-hmm. So, in a sense, you're listening of all these things, and it's like. This was obvious, this was the fate. Training, yeah. It was training, and you just don't know it in the moment. And you I don't. think that's really an important thing for anybody in this industry, or even in life, to realize is that just because you don't like this specific task, maybe, yeah. and you don't see a larger application of it, does not mean that it's not going to make you a well-rounded person that can do something even greater than you thought. It's the truth. It is. You know, it's like uh, for years I've you know, either worked in kitchens or for catering companies or things, and I was relegated to washing dishes, yeah. you know, these huge pots and pans, you know, for these large-scale events, you know, but that was an important role, you know, for those events and those productions. Yeah. And even today in being, you know, an ambassador and, and being fortunate and blessed enough to be in a role where um, I'm able to travel the, the entire country, span the, the, the entire nation, um, I'm not so high and mighty that I can't come into an event, you know, that we have producers for, or we we have a PR team and this, and that I can't juice lemons. Yeah, you know, you were with, prepping with, last night. I with, saw uh, you, yeah, man. man it, that's what it is. Yeah. We do what we have to do to get the job done. It's amazing, you know. And I'm not any different from anyone else. If you can juice, I can juice. If you can cut lemons, I can cut lemons too. If yeah. you're gonna pick mint, I can pick mint. It is what it is. It Let's is. make it happen. And we'll give high fives and hugs after. That's amazing. So when I think about the serendipity that led you to this role, mm-hmm. when you were introduced to Dram Bowie, what, what kind of relationship did you have with that spirit at first? Uh, my first bartending uh, role or gig uh, was in Union Station in Washington, D.C. Um, very transient, you know, Congress people, uh, you know, commuters, mm-hmm. in and out, fast, fast track. And it was by far not a uh, mixology bar, yeah. quote unquote. Um, there were not fresh pressed juices, you know, sour mix and, and, and commercial syrups were the, the call of, of the day. Uh, cosmopolitans and, 
um, you know, Cape Cods and uh, screwdrivers and, you know, and having a glass of Cabernet uh, Pinot Noir ready when, you know, these regulars come every day to get their, you know, 4.45 or whatever train. Yeah. Um, and I can recall in my reflection uh, one guest, young, not young lady, she was a little bit older, <laughs> uh, who always requested a Rusty Nell. And back then I had no idea what it was. I looked in my, you know, Mr. Boston, mm-hmm. you know, my bartender book. And, you know, look, saw the recipe, and I, I made it. Uh, nothing more, nothing less. And I flash forward to, you know, 11 years later um, when I'm working on a few other brands in uh, William Grant & Sons' portfolio. I was working on Hendrix, Monkey Shoulder, um, Florida Kanye Rum, yeah. Malacro Tequila. And then they said, well, we want you to work on this brand too, Drambuie. So I started doing my research. I'm like, man, this is it's got some history on it. 1745. Yeah. Okay, you know, all right. Aged Scotch whiskey. Oh, a combination of aged Scotch whiskey. So it's more than one. All right. A heather honey. I'm familiar with honey, but what is so different about heather honey? Research on that. And then you know this mysterious combination of herbs and this mysterious combination of spices. Mm. All these secrets. Aged Scotch whiskey. Heather honey herbs and spices do my research that combination sounds great i taste it it's fantastic and i think what caught me was that drambui had a story yeah it had a history it had a culture um and i think it also had a uh, i don't want to say a bad rap it had uh, it's 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 luster had, had dissipated. That's right, fallen from grace. It's, in a way. It's shine had had faded, and today as I travel, I say you know I believe it did not fade because of the quality of, of the liquid. Mm. You know, it's got longevity. We're talking about over two hundred and seventy years here. I believe that there was not a conversation, a in depth, challenging, invigorating conversation about Drambuie. Yeah. Um, and you know, go through the history of you know the, the the liquid, you know, finding its way from France to you know the Isle of Skye with Bonnie Prince Charlie, uh, Charles Edward Stuart, um, you know, him going to war to try to restore his family back into uh, power, uh, the Brits beating him and his his army, in, I mean, mercilessly and. Embarrassingly, and chasing them off into the Isle of Skye, uh, him finding help there and a fellow clansman, and as a gift, and as an uh, expression of hospitality, yeah. giving him his personal and secret elixir. You know that personal secret elixir. Personal se- secret elixir. Brilliant. You know, and that uh, liquid. You know, finding its way a hundred years later into the Broadford Hotel and being put together. You know. Uh, in whatever fashion it was to, you know, make Drambui and Drambuic. Yeah. I don't know if I can pronounce Gaelic, <laughs> pronounce it properly in Gaelic. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Drambui in, in short, which means the drink that satisfies. And that coming from a bartender to be given to guests, to be yeah. shared, hospitality. And, you know, years later, you know, finding it's um, probably being at the, the height of, it's it's shining and and and, and notoriety uh, and, and being 
so uh, fantastic and so uh, exquisite and, and, and so exclusive that the Rat Pack wanted in on it. You know, that Sinatra, you know, wanted to drink Drambuie. Yeah. Um, that, you know, Dean Martin and, and Sammy Davis Jr., they had to have, you know, rusty nails and, you know, just that uh, elevation of, of, of swagger and coolness and smoothness then. And then from then in the, the 60s, the 50s and the 60s to, you say, a couple years ago, there hadn't been a conversation. There, there really hadn't been a challenge of um, how else do you think about Drambuie other than the rusty nail? Yeah. Uh, how else do you use Drambuie other than the rusty nail? There, there, it, nothing, in my opinion. Uh, so what is the challenge, but is also so easy for me today, is to just have the conversation, to yeah. go into these amazing uh, bars that I come across across the United States and the country and literally just ask the question or ask the bartender, hey, show me a buoy. Yeah. Pull it off the back bar. If it's got dust on it, dust it off and show me what you can do with it. You know? Mm. Don't make me rusty now. We know rusty now. You taste it. You get honey. You want to sub out honey and a penicillin. I got that. Don't make me a penicillin. Mm. Now make me something. Taste it, get those warm spice, honey, all of those notes, those herbs, that herbaceousness, that, that spice. How do you complement and how do you contrast that with the wealth of liquid that you have on your back bar? Yeah. You know? What makes it, what, what, it, what is its identity in terms of its flavor? What are the colors that you think of? What are the places that it takes you to? So you know? when, I, when I was... Um, when I was resting my hat in the realm of jazz, and I'll talk to you a bit about why I was uh, linking Drambuie to jazz for a period versus just music as a whole, mm. um, it was um, because of improvisation between the two. Um, but again, it's, uh, it's a feeling. Yeah. I think I might have just lost my track of where, where I was. Are we talking about jazz? Was there a notable figure that drank Trambuie in that scene? You talk about the Rat Pack, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Sinatra, that was his drink of choice, yeah. uh, as a legend would have it. We actually do an event uh, in Palm Springs, uh, which is held at uh, Frank Sinatra's home. Oh, man. And it's, it's just a great backdrop yeah. for that period, though. But again, that period is known. We're trying to... Open up, and we're not trying, we are doing it. We're opening up the, the gaze and the spectrum of where and how Drambuie should be used. Yeah. Um, but again, why, why I, I did draw correlations between jazz or musicianship and Drambuie or bartenders is because of the similar, similarities that they have. Mm. You think improvisation, you think instrumentation. The musician has his instrument, the bartender has their tools. Um, in jazz, the, the musician has an idea of where he wants to go, but right. you're going for the ride. You're buckling up, putting your hands up and saying, hey, take me down and bring me back up. Yeah. And it's the same thing when you're creating cocktails um, you know, on the spot, uh, showing your improvisation. Um, you have an idea of where you want to go, but you just go for the ride. Yeah. Uh, so in essence, it's intuition meeting instrumentation between the two. Right. Um, but again, that that's not relegated just to jazz. It's music in general as a whole. Absolutely, you know. And yeah. again, how you make people 
feel. Yeah. But, you know, I can feel a certain way if I'm listening to music on, you know, my phone or iPod or radio or whatever it is. But if I'm in the building, mm. if, I'm, if I'm in the front row or the second row or if I'm in the middle or I'm on the balcony and you can feel uh, that snare, yeah. you can feel that Kirk, the drum, man. that bass, yeah. you know, that sax, you can feel that trumpet, which happens to be my favorite instrument, you know, the, the, the fingers running across, you know, the piano keys, like you feel that. Mm. You can hear it, you can see it, but can't anybody tell me anything different from I can't feel that, because yeah. you can. Same way with cocktails. Well, I think that, you know, we talked about sandwiches, we talked about <laughs> coffee, all these things, man. I'm just so interested in this cocktail that, you know, we've been talking about it kind of before we started. Yeah. Taken, but so what? This is your expression and the way you feel about Drambuie that is coming through. You're the conduit. So what? What is this cocktail that we're talking about here? You're gonna yeah. Mix so up the cocktail that I wanted to do today was uh, a coffee cocktail with Drambuie. It's called the Bees and the Trees, and I chose a, a coffee cocktail one because we did a coffee cocktail with Drambuie last night for yeah. the uh, Time Out Magazine Austin Bar Awards. Yeah, great event. Uh, last night we did a very simple stirred cocktail with uh, Drambuie, which is called the Java Royale, and the uh, coffee, uh, cold brew coffee, which has just been on fire in huge. the country, yeah. and it's huge here in uh, in Texas. We manufacture like three of the main brands here in town. It's very oh, my, funny. My gosh, it's great. Topo and Chameleon. Got um, lots to do. So we got to be fueled, right? Um, so Chameleon Cold Brew, we partnered with them in 2017. It's been a great partnership uh, to express their different flavors of cold brew through cocktails with Drambuie. Yeah. Uh, and they've got some phenomenal, uh, just the, the, the liquid itself and then the, the infusions of flavors is really fantastic. Uh, so last night, we used their vanilla cold brew to do uh, a cocktail called the Java Royale, which is one part Drambuie, a half part of green chartreuse, which is another herbal liqueur, and then three parts of their vanilla cold brew, mm. stirred over ice, and then uh, garnished with a piece of candied ginger. Wow. Bold, coffee forward, some rounded sweet notes, not overly anything in one direction. It was fantastic. And today I want to show you a different expression of a coffee cocktail with Drambuie. One, because I want to always just put them in different realms that are expected. Yeah. You think about history, and people thought about Drambuie in one particular way. Um, you know, the rusty nail, or being paired with whiskey, or in a stirred cocktail, or it's got to be in you know, some dark uh, you know, bar, you know, smoke-filled, and this, that, when it can be anywhere. Mm. Um, and then you think about c- coffee cocktails over you know, however many years, and you would initially go to hot coffee after dinner with a little bit of liqueur or cordial in it, and then maybe it's topped with whipped cream. Like yeah. That's the thought. Right. I want to blow both of those concepts out of the water. Um, so we're doing one today that's more uh, of a punch style uh, with uh, Drambuie Reka Vodka, which is one of my favorites. Mm. Go Trevor, um, right? <laughs> sh- Talk about actors. Mighty Schneider. Mighty <laughs> Schneider. Uh, he's, he's so awesome. The Cocktail Ninja, he, he's a good friend and a good brother. Um, so the Drambuie, the Reykjavaka, Chameleon's Mexican flavor is going to give oh, you yes, higher notes cinnamon, of like cinnamon yeah. and those bacon spices. Good stuff. Some lemon juice, some apple cider, and then we're going to finish it off with a little bit of fresh mint because mint is just brightens things. Then also adds a uh, much 
uh, appreciated uh, herbal uh, note. And, like a crisp. It dries music. it out. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. It dries out. And again, it's about complementing and contrasting Drambly properly. It's the syncopation and staccato in the song. Man, if, I, if I could reach you across this table, <laughs> I'd give you a high five, man. Uh, and then finally with uh, some nutmeg. Beautiful. We talk punch style, mm-hmm. which makes sense. You, when you think about punches, do you always want to try to tame off sweetness because people have such an aversion to it? Or is it something else for you? No, I, I think uh, sweetness is detrimental to a punch. Yeah. You know, you've got to you know, have your spirit. You've got to have your citrus. You've got to have your sweetness or your mm. sugar. Um, you've got to have you know, your herbs and your spices. Um, and then, you know, water or dilution. All of those play equally key roles in creating a well-balanced uh, punch. Yeah. We're not talking about, you know, a punch you would pull off the, you know, the shelf at a store with, you know, all of these artificial sweeteners and everything that put you in the mindset of this is what a punch is. Yeah. It's almost like you say the word daiquiri to the masses and they're like, oh, strawberry daiquiri. Oh, right. it's super sweet, you know, or I got to be you know, on a cruise ship somewhere. No, I, I say daiquiri, I think of the classic daiquiri with, you know, rum mm. and sugar and citrus. Balance. That's it. Yeah. You know? So, again, it's, it's re-educating, re-teaching, um, and re-tasting, you know, liquid to lips yeah. is what we want. And that creates a, an entire new perspective of how things are, whether it's coffee cocktails or whether it's drambuie or any realm. Yeah. Yeah, so now I can already smell the lemon in the air. Yeah, brother. It's the oils. You gotta love the oils. Citrus, there's nothing that beats for citrus, though. That's the key. You cannot skimp on fresh citrus. I don't know how much more I could emphasize that. Like, you you know, the little green and yellow bottles. Oh, it's rubbish, man. Like, you, you, you can't. Yeah. Just don't make the cocktail. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm saying it now. I'm not embarrassed about it. I will stand by this till the day I die. It's got to be fresh citrus. I totally agree. Don't auto-tune that shit. Yeah. Uh-huh. See, there we go. <laughs> For real. Like, come on. So we'll get you a uh, little bit of garnish going on here, brother. Nice, fresh. Man, I'm glad we're in a conference room because I could smell all of this stuff in an amplified way. I know. Love it. How's it taste? See, I'm just waiting like a little kid here on Christmas. You know it's on the way. I love this anticipation part. And again, it's just a new way of thinking and experiencing something that you would think is familiar. You know, we know coffee cocktails. Yeah. Um, or we have an idea of what they would be like. But not like this. It is a great combo of flavors. I'm really excited. Yeah, yes, sir. Thank you so much, So fans. the bees... In the trees. Damn. Well, I get, I like the honey piece. And there I you smell go. the trees right there, right? There you go. God, I'm, I'm one lucky bugger on a Tuesday morning <laughs> to fucking hang out with you and sip this. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, mm. these in the trees, we're doing uh, Jesus. three quarters part of Drambuie, three quarter parts of Rake of Vodka, a half part of, we're using Chameleon's Caramel uh, flavor, cold brew there. Dude. Uh, half part of lemon juice, two parts apple cider, ice, mint, and then the fresh grated nutmeg like give you some really nice aromatics. So yeah. wow. dry, tart, sweet, spiced, herbaceous, bright, 
clean, refreshing, and it's, it's Drambuie and it's coffee anywhere. Like I could drink that on my back porch. I could Definitely. drink it on the beach. It works on happy hour. Yeah. Like the versatility, this is, is what it is. Do you want to know why I think it's versatile? Talk to me. It feels familiar to me. All these flavors I know, right? This is yeah. a melody I've heard before, but still unique and composed in a way that I really am intrigued by. Yeah. So, dude, it's. I appreciate that, good, brother. Good work. Yeah, man. I, I love just every. I'm pleasured in every possible <laughs> way here on the palate. So, how did you feel about the event last night? The time it out was bar was a great event. Uh, as I stated last night, my first visit to Austin was last year, and I heard so much leading up to the visit about just how great it was. The, 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 the culinary scene was on the rise. The, the cocktail scene was on the rise. Um, you know, it's the, everyone's coming from everywhere into the city. It packs up in the day. The traffic is a, a nightmare. Um, and, just like a real good city. You know, yeah. and then when I, when, I, when I arrived and we hosted our competition last year and I was able to visit different uh, bar programs and meet, you know, different bartenders, it exceeded every expectation in the yeah. most positive of ways and i love it so it's like i'm always rushing like how, how can i get back how yeah. can i get back how can i get back and the more people i meet i'm like yes another connect i'm coming back i'm coming to visit you yeah you come visit me and uh it was great so you know with time out uh last night at their bar awards it was just great to see all of those people i mean it was a, like a packed rooftop yeah man it was hot as two hells right. yes it was um <laughs> but it was amazing. The, it was good vibes. And I often say that with Drambuie, we shake it, we stir it, and we groove. And all of that went down last night. The music was tight. The cocktails were, were great. The the city, the people of Austin looked amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, they were supportive of their community. You know, you, you see that love. So I always talk about, like, sharing the buoy love. Like, that's what you and I just did now. And I, I made you something with my hands. Mm you know, with what I call the living liquid legend, you know, and you, whether you believe it or not, or you're just, you know, fluffing my feathers, you seem to enjoy it. Oh, I like it. Um, I like you know, it. that's sharing the booey love. And we were able to do that last night with, with them, the city, and Time Out uh, magazine, which was just so great, man. Right. It just was a good feeling. I don't know. I'm just all about feels these days. Like, well, okay. good feels. I, I totally agree with you because so things, things are sanitized, technology oh, kind of sanitized yes. stuff, you know. But I know you got a lot of, Great work still left to do here in Austin before you take off tomorrow morning. And we've got two more questions for you, one of which, you yeah. know, these are things I really am curious about. Sure. You, you know. So we're going to take whatever bar in the world, your favorite bar in the world, we're going to actually drink this cocktail right here because this is on my mind and it's really exceptional. So you're mm -hmm. at your favorite bar in the world, you're sipping this cocktail, mm -hmm. and you can share this cocktail with anybody living or deceased. Who would you like to sit and have a conversation with? Over this cocktail. Yeah. This probably colors a little bit, but still, it's, Ooh. it's a good guidepost, I think. Um, oh, man. This is going to be so uh, polarizing. But That's good. It, it, is, like that. it is what it is. Um, you know, our, our former, most immediate former president, Barack Obama. Oh, yeah. I would, I'd sit and I'd drink those all day. Yeah. And... <clears throat> Just listen about the experience that yeah. he had. The, I, w I would want to know the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yeah. Like, just, just give it to me straight about the experience. You know, I, don't, I wouldn't 
not that I wouldn't, I would steer clear of opinions on the climate and, you know, where, where we are, with the way things are and, and where he thinks we're headed. But just the experience of having been what people call the, the first African-American president yeah. of the United States you know how he took that in. You know how he wrapped his mind around it. How the interactions were. You know with the, the staff going into the White House, living there, having two daughters, having a wife. You know, regardless of my opinions of, about him uh, as the man, as the president, talk yeah. to me about that experience because that man—that's like, a human experience. Yeah, you know, that, challenging, sheesh. feeling prejudice, feeling optimism, all these things, doing something no one. Has ever done in the United States before. Yeah, like, that's something like eight, truly remarkable. Eight years of the good, the bad, and the, like, like, give it to me. I want to, I want to hear that. I want to look into your eyes yeah. when you tell me about it. And I, I know it would, it, it, it would blow my mind. That's it amazing. would literally blow my mind. And yeah. then I'm, I'm sitting having a cocktail with <laughs> with Barry. Barry. With Barry. Barry White. No, with Barack. They call him Barry. Oh, Barry. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I think, it got White me thinking about too. voices, man. He could be my darling. <laughs> can't get enough of your love, babe. He'd start singing after one drink, I bet. Oh my gosh, it'd be pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Well, the last question I've got for you because there's so many interesting pieces, so many different molecules to your career. You have a lot of interests, a lot of talents, and you brought again brought all these things, culmination of this, into being the brand ambassador for Jerry Bowie, which. It's something that, you know, I'm interested now. You got me interested. I think that's the whole point, right? Bringing it back in to the conversation. And I know that this is a great role, and I know there's so much capacity to do great stuff with William Grant and Sons. But do you think about what you're doing beyond that? Do you think you return into acting? Do you think you own a bar? What does that future kind of look like for you? Oh. That's right. Job interview question right there. I know. You know, I really haven't given thorough thought to the future mm. of, of what I want to do or where I would like to land. Um, and I think primarily because there's so much to do right where I am. Yeah. And um, I'm enjoying the ride of doing it. Like the, it's so humbling mm. to uh, be the, 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 the gatekeeper and yeah. the guardian of the story and the history and the legend of Drambui. Yeah. You know, and, and it, it overwhelms me in thought sometimes to think that my journey of doing all of those different roles, of meeting all of those different people, of having so many different people pour into my life and speak into my life, that I've arrived here. Mm. For Dram Bowie, 1745 from France to Scotland on the Isle of Skye in the Highlands, making its way to the U.S., and the 21 Club in New York, the Rusty Nell, the Rat Pack, new packaging, multiple different packagings, uh, being a modern classic to arriving today. We both have arrived at this particular place at this particular time to make magic happen. 
and I believe that, I accept it, and I'm ready to impart to everyone that I'm able to meet and come in contact with, with the highest energy and the thoroughest understanding of what Drambuie is. And if there are any uh, walls that are left up, any barriers that are left up mm. that have been built around this brand over the last 270 years um, that have put it in a box, that have put it in a corner, that have put it you know, behind so many other brands collecting dust on uh, back bars, I want to tear those walls down. Mm. I want to kick those damn doors in. I want to dust, bust, and whatever you know it is, all of those dust and, 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 and thoughts and ideas and preconceptions about this brand out. Yeah. A man with a journey. You know, and, and demand and challenge anyone, whether it's a consumer, a drinker, a bartender, an owner, a buyer, whatever the terms are for many different consumers, and challenge them to show me their buoy. Yeah. It's a hell of a plan, mate. I, I, can't, I can only do what I can do, right? Changing the social construct and the perspective, perception of Jeremy Bowie. It's been a brilliant chat, man. Man, it's, it's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. DC's lucky to have you. And William Grandson's the finest Motley Crue personalities I've ever come across <laughs> in this industry, man. You're Cocktails, very kind. Great. Thank Can't you. wait to see what you're up to next, man. Godspeed yeah, on the rest of your travels. Thanks, fans. I appreciate you. Thank you kindly. Well, there we have it, Vance Henderson of Drambuie, part of the William Grant & Sons portfolio. I was very unfamiliar with Drambuie. The name, of course, I've heard about in some classic cocktails, but getting to experience that flavor with Vance, who made me a cocktail in this amazing workspace downtown Austin, was really a nice experience. It was early in the morning, but at least it had some chameleon cold brew coffee in it, which always helps in the morning. So, Vance, thank you so much for chatting art, chatting acting, chatting your life with me, and I can't wait to see you back in town on August 28th for Drambuie Modern Classics. Details are out there if you can get them, and yeah, it's kind of nice being secretive. So thanks everybody for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how disappointed you may or may not have been after watching Detroit, or if you're thinking, man, Dunkirk might have been a, a better movie, please keep dancing.